0: by our very definition as Christian men and women. We are disciples of Christ. And we have been following him the last few Sundays. And that has been exciting. It is exciting. It will continue to be exciting. We heard him say to those new disciples 2,000 years ago, Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And just as he said that 2,000 years ago, he says it today to you and me. Please take that in as an absolute fact. Last Sunday, we walked into the Old Testament and we saw Jesus Christ in that term that I shared Christophany, Christ appearing, and to Sarah and Abraham and to Joshua and to Gideon, and to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Christ appeared and took care of them and spoke, and we followed him into those very unusual and supernatural and powerful experiences that took place not just 2,000 years ago, but hundreds and hundreds and several thousand years ago. And so today... We're going to jump all the way to the end of Jesus' ministry time here on this earth because we're going to talk very carefully about some of the terms, some of the words that he used in his final statements. We call this the Great Commission, and it is the marching orders for you and me. It is the mission of the Church of Jesus Christ, of which we certainly are a part. And so this Great Commission is what we look at today and even next week, and we will see more and more of what Jesus says to his people. But this Great Commission starts off Jesus speaking to his disciples right before he left this earth. After his resurrection, he's about to ascend into heaven, and he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, so therefore, go. Now, you know there are other words that go with this statement. However, today, for my purposes, for our purposes, I feel led that we're to concentrate just on the phrase, therefore, go. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. This is one of those passages of scriptures that I regret sometimes because we get so familiar with some of them, we just kind of say, well, I know that, and yet we miss some of what all of it says. And so Jesus says, therefore, go. Now, I'm going to propose something for us, and I will just ask you to consider, and I trust that maybe you'll agree with me, and if you don't, that's okay, but I want you to think about it. I propose to you that we have turned it around. Now, I want you to think about that because Jesus said, based on his authority as Lord and Master, he said, therefore, go and make disciples. Therefore, go with the truth. But I think maybe we've turned it around. I think possibly you and I and the church... And our patterns over the years have been, therefore, they need to come. Uh Uh-huh. I hear a few groans out there. And, you know, I'm not a big movie buff, but I do have a favorite movie. And there's a line in this movie that sort of fits with some of what I'm thinking about here. The movie is called Field of Dreams, a baseball movie. It's a very interesting story, but it is a story. It is a fantasy. And what is the line there? If you, it, if, you it, if you build it, they will come. And the end scene of that movie is this magnificent picture in the nighttime looking out across the baseball field that they had built there, And hundreds of cars with their lights are driving toward that field. If you build it, they will come. Well, I'm saying that that's part of what we've done in the church. We have built a beautiful building. There are beautiful church buildings all over our country. We have built a beautiful program. We have beautiful music. We have sometimes beautiful staff. We have lots of people that love and smile and say good morning. And we've built a magnificent picture in front of the world. But we keep saying, well, if we build it, they will come. That's not what Jesus said, folks. Now, do I love our beautiful building? Do I love our programs? Do I love our worship, our music, our staff? Yes, 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 yes. So I'm not saying disband all that and take it away. No, but the philosophy, the foundation. If we build it here, then they will surely come. Well, if they were going to come the way that movie portrayed, this place would be packed and people would be crawling out the windows. All right, so what did Jesus say? He said, therefore, go. Now, some people, and and this is okay, some people translate that phrase as, as you are going, make disciples. I'm okay with that. And that is some of the, the Greek and the translation of. However, for some reason, I just think, well, does that give us the opportunity to say, well, I don't have to be intentional about this going. I just kind of fall into it. Well, it's okay, and I would certainly encourage me and you that as we go through life, as we go through our lifestyle, our daily routines, as we go to the grocery store, as we go to work, as we go to the office, as we go to the construction site, as we go to school, as we go, then certainly share the truth of Jesus Christ and seek to make disciples. However, you know that thing, well, I don't need to say anything. They'll see it in my life. Tell me, is that, and again, I want them to be able to see something different in you and me. But do we ever use that as a cop-out? That the underlying statement is, I'm not very bold and I'm pretty shy and actually I'm scared to death to speak words. So therefore, I'm just going to be a nice man, a nice woman. I'm going to let them see Jesus Christ in my life. Please, always, I want to say and I want to ask you to hear what Jesus said. He said on his authority, on the master, and he does have the authority to say what needs to happen. The command is, therefore, go and make disciples. Now, would you agree that Jesus, from the very moment he came into this world, the very intention of him being a human being, didn't he live up to the very fact that he was saying to us, therefore go. Now, we're going to use some other scripture here in the second chapter of Philippians. What is that beautiful passage about the fact that Jesus was in fact God, but he realized that being God, it did not give him the right to take advantage of that. And so in God's plan, Jesus' plan, the Father's plan, then Jesus himself had to therefore go. And where did he go? Here. (laughs) He came to earth, and in that Philippians passage, it's such a beautiful statement of he was willing to set himself aside. He was able and willingly and lovingly said, I am going to deny all of my position in the heavenly realm I'm not going to act like the God that he is. That I'm going to set that aside. And I'm going to go to that cruddy place called earth. And it is, and it was. And there are a lot of sinful people there. And I'm going to humble myself. This is all indicated in Philippians, the second chapter. I'm going to humble myself. And I'm going to become a servant. Folks, this is God talking. He's going to become a servant and then commit and sacrifice and humble himself to what? To death on a cross. Isn't that a statement from Jesus himself about his own personal going? Now, I want you to just think for a moment. I hope you know that passage in Philippians 2. Because it is a very powerful and special passage. But I want you to think, what if he did not do that? (laughs) Would you be here today? Would I be here today? Now, we can't answer that. Maybe God would have done it some other way. But he didn't. So I want you to think about the fact that he did it this way. That in his wisdom, in his love, in his plan, he said, I'm going to go. And he did. He came here as that baby Jesus. He came here as that growing man. He came here as 100% God and 100% uh, man. And he gave himself so you and I could be here. I just want you to think about that. Because is it not true that we are commanded in several places in Scripture? We are taught, we do believe that we're supposed to follow the example of Jesus Christ. He is our model. He is the master teacher with his words, with his spirit, with his behavior, with all of what he does. And so we are to follow him. And he said to therefore go, and he demonstrated that in the second chapter of Philippians. Now, we're going to look at another Jesus passage. Now, I want to tell you before I start into this, I love telling stories. And I believe God has given me the gift of telling stories, and I like to just expand on the stories, and this is a beautiful story that we're about to look at. It's a powerful story, and my intentions when I started to prepare this sermon was, well, I'll just do what I usually do. I'll sit before everybody, and I'll just tell the story, but the more I got to thinking about it, the more I said, this story is so packed with absolute going example, therefore go, and Jesus going and Jesus doing what he's telling us to do, I didn't want you or me to miss anything in this story. So what I want you to do is I want you to get a Bible, get your Bible or get a Bible out of the pew rack, or open your phone or your tablet, or if you got the whole fourth chapter of John memorized, then you don't have to do that. But I want to go through this basically almost word for word. And so this is a Bible study. Yes, it is a sermon. Yes, we do look at this as Jesus demonstrating the whole concept of therefore go. But the fourth chapter of John, and you probably already know, and you know this story, it's very popular, it's very well known, but this is where Jesus speaks to the Samaritan woman. But I want to go through it step by step, and I'm going to make some comments about it, and I want you to think, I want you to pray, I want you to absorb, I don't want you to say, well, okay, he's just going to read scripture to us, so I'm going to take a little nap. No, we don't need to take a nap this morning. Right, Bob? Yeah, we don't need to take a nap this morning. Well, we've got two Bobs, one there and one there. Okay, you behave. All right, the fourth, the fourth chapter of the book of John. And I'm going to start with verse 4. And I'm going to take it a little bit at a time. And it says, now he had to go through Samaria. Now, I'm stopping right there. I want you to think about this. And we've talked about this a little bit before. But we're going to talk about it in depth. Now he had to go through Samaria. Now, here's the go word, therefore go. And Jesus is saying to himself, I'm supposed to go. I'm going to tell my people to go. And it says he had to go through Samaria. Is that true? No, that's right. Remember, the Samaritans and the Jews didn't like each other. They didn't get along. And so the custom was they didn't go through Samaria Now, Jesus was in Galilee in the northern part of the region, and he was going to Judea in the southern part. So, yes, it seems like a direct line would be correct. But the Jews went around Samaria, they took a divergent course all the time. So, when it says here that Jesus had to go through Samaria, it has nothing to do with logistics, it has nothing to do with route or circumstance. It has to do with therefore go. And so it says he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sikar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his sons Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. Now, have you ever thought about that? Now, let me ask you. He's now in Jacob's territory. Who is Jacob? Way back in the Old Testament. Now, this is in the New Testament. Now, he's at Jacob's well. He's around where Jacob lived and where his land and where his family was. Now, has Jesus ever seen Jacob? You remember the Christophany? I didn't mention this last week on purpose. Because Jesus and Jacob spent a whole night wrestling. Wrestling. You remember this story? Jacob was scared to death. Esau was going to get him. And Esau and Jacob were brothers, but they didn't like each other. And Esau particularly didn't like Jacob. And now Jacob is by himself out there in the wilderness. And it says in the 32nd chapter of Genesis, a man appeared to Jacob and wrestled with him all night. Christophany, the appearance of Jesus Christ. And what was the end result of that wrestling match? Well, Jacob had a bad leg (laughs) because Jesus did something to him to make his hip out of joint. And Jesus asked him what his name was. And he said, it's Jacob. And Jacob was saying, well, I want you to bless me. And Jesus said, well, your name is no longer Jacob. Your name is what? Israel. Now, so here we are, Jesus. These are not coincidences, folks. This is a beautiful plan. And now Jesus is in Jacob's territory, and Jesus has been there before, and he's tired there in verse 6. He says he's tired as he was from the journey. He sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Why do they put the sixth hour in there? It's the middle of the day. People don't come to the well in the middle of the day. But Jesus did. People come to the well in the morning and in the evening. Why did he come in the middle of the day? Because he knew he was going there to talk to this woman. And she was going to come in the middle of the day because she was a woman of ill reputation. And then it says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now, take some lessons about encountering people and witnessing to them. Did Jesus say, hi, how you doing? No. No. Isn't that what you and I do when we see somebody, and then the interchanges, "Hey, how you doing? I'm fine." And the conversation is over. It goes no further than that. What did Jesus do here? Will you give me a drink? He wanted to engage this woman, and he did with that first statement, "Will you give me a drink?" And verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? She was shocked. And basically, she reprimands Jesus. She says, how dare you ask me for a drink? I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew, I'm a woman, you're a man. We're not supposed to talk to each other. Well, did Jesus let any of those barriers stand in his way? No. Do you let any of those barriers stand in your way? Or do I? Or do we say, "Well, I'm not supposed to talk to that person," or "Oh, you know, and he already knew that this per- this woman had a very poor reputation in town and she had a very sinful life." And he could have said, well, no, no, no. I I just will spend my time somewhere else. No, he said, will you give me a drink? She reprimands him. You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And Jesus answered, now, please pay attention. Oh, my goodness, he goes deep quickly. You and I stay on the surface. We chit-chat. When, when the command is, therefore, go and make disciples, that is serious business. And we just kind of end up chit-chatting or avoiding or closing down the conversation and walking away. So he says, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, now immediately, this is the second statement Jesus has said, and he's immediately put a spiritual emphasis into the conversation. He is not only going in personhood, he's going in verbal communication. If you had only known the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, what is Jesus doing? Does this woman know anything about living water? No. No. Do some of the people that we need to go to and make disciples know anything about the power and the presence and the gift of Jesus Christ? No. But you and I, in going and making disciples, are supposed to plant the seed and bring about a discussion of deep spiritual aspects. We're not supposed to just chit-chat, and that's what Jesus is doing here. He said, if you had known the gift of God, then you would have wanted some of this living water. There's mystery in that. There's intrigue in that, that he's reaching out to hook the Samaritan woman. And she says, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. I'm sorry, that just makes me chuckle. What is she doing? She's staying up here on the surface. She did it. That living water and that gift of God statement, it just kind of went right over her head. And you or I, or maybe, I hope you would not do it, and I trust I would not do it, but since if we try to say something, even casually to start a witnessing conversation, to make disciples, and it goes over somebody's head, don't we have a tendency to say, well... They just don't get it, so I'm just not going to talk anymore. But that's not what Jesus does. She said, you don't have anything to draw with, and the well is very deep. And she's wondering how in the world, and what is this whole thing going on? And then she says in verse 12, Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from himself and did also his sons? and his flocks and his herds and Jesus answered. He's going on and he's going even deeper right now. Everyone who drinks the water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give, now he's made it a personal interchange between him and this woman. He is now everyone who drinks the water that I give will never thirst. Indeed, indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, he just went from that well to the water, to living water, to eternity. Now, please think about this. Now, you, you may be sitting there right now saying, well, okay, that's really good, but this is Jesus Christ. He knows all of this. Well, Yes, and he's sharing it with you and me. He's sharing it through scripture. He's sharing it through this message. He's sharing it through your, your learning, through you being a Christian man or woman. And he's now saying that we want to talk about an eternal life. And the woman said to him in verse 15, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty. I have to keep coming here all the time. She ain't getting it, folks. And again, would you be just kind of frustrated and say, well, this is of no use. No need for me to go any further." so I'll just let her go about her business and I'll get on down the road. That is our, our tendency. And that is not boldness, and that is not therefore going. Because Jesus continues. He says, he told her, and this is where it gets personal. Go call your husband and come back. Now, would you know if you went and talked to somebody some of their personal life like this? No, not in of your own power. But remember, Jesus said that the all authority is given of me in heaven and earth. Now, that goes back to our... Matthew 28 passage. All authority is given to me in heaven and earth, therefore go and make disciples. So you and I are ambassadors, are disciples of Jesus Christ. We have the ability supernaturally through his presence in our life to discern certain things. And if you and I will build relationships and if you and I will listen to the people around us And if you and I will pay very close attention to the Lord and his leadership and to the person or persons with whom we're dealing, we're going to learn things about them. They're going to reveal certain things. They may not come out and say that I'm having marriage problems or they may may not come out and say that I'm lost or that I'm hopeless or I'm depressed. But you can sense that through the discernment of the Holy Spirit. And I am speaking truth to you because you uh, have Jesus Christ in your life. He now is saying, go call your husband. And she says, I have no husband. Jesus said, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands. And the man that you now live with is not even your husband. So she's on number six and not even married to number six. Now remember, this woman that Jesus is talking to that he had to go through Samaria to to encounter is a woman of this